Hey there, welcome to The Reinsurance Podcast, the place where we dive into all things reinsurance, the coolest part of insurance. We're your hosts, Jared and Ben, a couple of ex-practitioners who loved the industry so much we founded Superseed to tackle some of its biggest headaches. And we're here to share our insights and stories with expert guests as we uncover what's really going on in the industry. Welcome to the show, Nick Hoadley, who is the CEO of Insurance Search. And not just that, but another podcast host. Yeah. Uh, so Nick, tell us about your podcast as well and how you have managing that alongside Insurance Search. Well, as you know, it's very difficult to run a podcast and a business at the same time. So feel your pain there. But, um, <laughs> yeah, great. Well, Frank, thanks first of all for having me on the show. Big, uh, big fan of the reinsurance podcast. Really like what you guys are doing. Um, you know, as an industry, I think it's great just to share as much as we can. A lot of information. So, yeah, keep up the good work. Um, so Insurance Search, we help insurance businesses grow increase their productivity, increase their performance through executive search, through um, human capital consultancy, through market intelligence studies. And we work predominantly in the US actually. So a lot of our works in the US, a lot of our works international, uh, Bermuda, APAC region, uh, but we're actually based here in London. So. How did you get started in the U.S. market from a London footprint? That's yeah, that's a great question. Just well, response to the market demand, I guess. Absolutely. So very much like yeah. reinsurance, you know, big, big global market in the insurance world. And we were doing a lot of work for clients here in the U.K. And they had very similar teams and very similar challenges over there in the U.S. So, you know, we, we started getting calls to say, can you help out in our Chicago office? Can you help out New York, Boston? And it just grew from there. Yeah. Um, we now do a lot of work in Bermuda, and that's the same path, the same trajectory as being, you know, doing some doing some good work for people, and people just, you know, asking up if if that's transferable yeah. to those different markets. And so then, how did a, a podcast come out? See, so the Insurance Coffee House podcast emerges in in parallel. Is it sort of so by day and yeah? By night <laughs> I don't remember if you recall twenty uh, twenty the pandemic oh vaguely yeah <laughs> trying to it's all, a bit, it. all a bit hazy <laughs> so the uh executive recruiting the executive search market took uh, a, a big downturn mm. during that time um the podcast had been something that we'd wanted to do for a long time but we were just so busy in the business mm. that we just never never quite got around to it what we really wanted to do was give back um give back to the insurance professionals the insurance leaders that we work with um, and, and and really give them an opportunity to develop their careers and learn more from C-suite executives, from people who had made it to the top of the industry and see what advice they had for those up and coming insurance leaders. So so that was 2020, um, went very well. Um, we had a lot of great feedback and we really developed the podcast from there. So we had a the first season was a global insurance season where navigating the travails of corporate life at a big global insurance businesses. Um, and then we, we took that step further and actually realized that the guests could actually use the platform as an opportunity to talk about their business, mm. the culture at their business, what opportunities they have. Um, for, you know, from a, from a blank slate. So there's a lot of perception in the market you know, we know it's a very small market within a global arena. 
and people have different perceptions about different organizations but what we really found was it was an opportunity for people really to tell their own story on the business and that worked super well so we were working with mid-market insurance brokers mid-market carriers right across the u.s and you know by by understanding that your career and your career development is a lot different at a, at a smaller firm than it is at a big corporate mm. um, we, we managed to give a lot of insights and value nice am i right in understanding as well that you've got like a 10 killer question kind of <laughs> format as well because that sounds quite interesting to get the same uh, framework but then very different answers yeah, presumably. yeah so what we really wanted to do was to you know, the, we had this great opportunity to interview these amazing executives, these you know, these CEOs of, mm. of, of global companies. And what we wanted to see were the patterns and the mm. traits that, that made them successful. So, yeah, very much in those early series, it was, you know, going through similar sets of questions and seeing, seeing um, what patterns came out of it. Our last series, um, so we, have, we recently finished an InsureTech series where we were looking about technology, educating the insurance market about what technology was out there. So you know, platforms like yourself sort of educating the market about those opportunities there, but also providing some education and consultancy really on, on career moves between insurance and insuretech, insuretech back to insurance, what, what recommendations we had interviewing people who made that mm -hmm. switch very much like yourselves from yeah corporate environment to startup environment um, and in our latest series we're, we're actually currently on a people and culture series so we've interviewed a lot of CEOs a lot of founders and they will tell us that the next year they're going to hire a thousand people or they're going to double in size and so on this series we've actually taken a bit of a pause at this point and said right how do you go about doing that you know, how do you build a great company how do you hire great staff how do you retain that staff? How do you build a great culture? We look at areas around DE&I, succession planning, remote working. And so we take much more of a deep dive. So in this current series, we, we still have the sort of the top and tail structure. Yeah. But we take a bit of a deep dive and see what's working for those individual businesses. It's, it's super interesting. We've, we've talked a lot about on our podcast, and I'm sure you have as well, about sort of the talent challenges our industry has had and how do we attract young talent and how do you sort of build career progression, especially now in remote working and these types of things. Um, but that sort of framework is super interesting because you have an opportunity to learn from like industry leaders around what's made them successful and like build that sort of aspirational ambition for individuals. You allow them to um, get an idea of like opportunities beyond just going to work at a big firm and doing that for your career. But mm. there's InsureTech that sits aside alongside this. You can move between those things you could over time if, if that was of interest. And then in this most, most recent one, again, a, a sort of a double dip into like, what are the types of cultures you might want to go work at? As you're, as you're sort of looking at a career in the industry, what are the things that inspire you and excite you? And you use that to kind of curate where you might want to go work as mm. well, because cultures are different for different reasons and you want to some align more for certain individuals than with others so it's it's like a fascinating journey that a listener would sort of go through listening through the, the sort of library of your yeah. episodes yeah absolutely and i think the point about the culture is a, a great one and the, the biggest feedback that i get from my guests is you know this is the culture this is what we're building if the talent like that and the talent are bought into that fantastic but if they're not that's fine and yeah. the, you know there's other opportunities in the market you know, we work with 
very fast growing insurtechs and we also work with deeply rooted insurance mutuals yeah. in a very different pace of life but yeah. for our candidates you know not all candidates want to work at you know a high growth insurtech not all candidates want to work in a very sedate environment like a like an mm. insurance mutual so yeah. i think it's great that we've you know that, that we managed to discuss those different options and different opportunities because the um, you know there's there's such a broad range of talent out there and and people want different things it's about giving them those options do you, do you think people or, or firms i guess succeed in differentiating their their voice in this market for, for potential employees because i have obviously there's some standard things that people will say, oh, we're a great friendly place to work and we're the best at whatever. But do you find people are able to say, especially, you know, post pandemic when there's things mm. like how often you have to come into the week, you know, yeah. is somebody saying actually we're this type, you should come to us if you like this mm. versus actually we're different to them. We're more like that. How well do people do that? I think there's a few companies who do it very well and they hire brilliantly. Mm. But I think a lot of companies are struggling with that. Um, particularly obviously the larger organizations is mm. more it's more difficult um, but I think that clarity is what certainly the generation of talent coming through now want is what they expect they want to know what type of business they're joining mm -hmm. but I think if you look across the industry and obviously I keep a, a very close eye on it until I interview some people or until you know they become a client of us as a firm I've actually you know I don't have a particular perception about them one way or the other mm. so I think there's a lot more that can can be done about that yeah and are there particular issues that are coming out more and more i know we, we talked about i remote working already but um, we, we probably should talk about that a bit more but esg for example are, mm. are people looking to work for firms that are seen as good actors or are people looking for firms that are more techie or how do you see that playing out at the moment it is different for the individual mm -hmm. for sure but i think um yeah certainly firms uh, certainly people are looking for an organization that they can really get behind um, and really feel part of something that aligns with their values so you know, have been very clear on value alignment all, all the way through the interview process is very very important so we see that yeah a lot yeah i think that's a, one of the most important sort of roles that the recruiters play is understanding like the personality and the ambitions and the sort of things that will resonate with a candidate and aligning them with companies and cultures that fit. Because you're right, like yeah. there's there's a huge array of differences and that's all fine, but like a, a, a good fit is where like what you want to achieve and the culture you want to you know thrive in and are drawn to and using that sort of understanding of who that candidate is and how the companies want to structure and recruit types of different types of people is a, like a primary driver for those being successful matches. And I think you obviously are doing it quite well given the sort of success you've had yeah, well, I think that's the key to it. I mean, we, we work with, you know, some global corporations and then we work with some mid-market players. One of the searches we've conducted recently is for a, for a 30-man um, specialty insurance carrier in in, um, in Tennessee. So very, very niche. But clearly a firm like that's looking for people who are entrepreneurial, people who are going to really drive the business forward. Yeah. And so very quickly when you're speaking to a candidate or you're searching for candidates, you know that that's that's the key part of the role. It's not necessarily the technical side of things. That's sort of taken as a as a given. But it's really the the personality and the the opportunity that will provide someone. You know, why are they going to leave? 
you know, a company like Liberty Mutual or Travelers mm -hmm. and, and all the trappings that come with that to, to come and join a, a 30 man startup. Yeah. Um, you've really got to know really what their aspirations are and, and align that. Yeah. You mentioned before, obviously, the, the US footprint that you guys have grown, but also clients in Asia and elsewhere. What is the biggest challenge you face if a client comes to you and says, we're opening up a new office in Hong Kong, we want you to help us staff this team yeah. up? Like, it feels like a heavy lift it having never done this job. <laughs> heavily... What does that look like? Well, we love that. We, we we really enjoy that. I mean, one of the things that we would do, so if uh, and we've done it for, for numerous clients in the US where they've got a strong presence on the East Coast and they say, right, we're going to open up in California. Can you help us find some people there? Now, number one, normally those insurance underwriters or brokers or those leaders there probably don't have a, a perception of that company um, on the east coast you know they don't have a strong reputation in los angeles or, or wherever it might be mm. so actually the first thing that we do is we, we create a podcast with them um, telling the story um, about the business and the opportunities there um, and then we can go into that location before we start the search we actually place that podcast in front of that insurance talent um, as a value add very much you know it's an opportunity for you to listen to a c-suite leader um you know maybe when you're going to the gym or you're on your way to the office you know some great learnings about insurance and then it's amazing how many people then come back to us and reach out to us and say hey nick that was a great podcast that guest was fantastic their company sounds awesome yeah and you say well yeah funny that they're actually uh, recruiting at the moment and they're trying to grow in your particular region so Often when we're looking at land and expand opportunities like that, we use podcasts as a media to do it. Very clever. Nice. And then one of the things I wanted to ask you about, because it's something that the industry has not got the best reputation on historically, is, is the DEI side of things. I think we've had some brilliant successes here in London, for example, with the Dive-In Festival and you know, various other initiatives to bring you know more diverse talent into the market. Um, how has that topic progressed and looking at this on a much more global scale? Are firms doing the right things? Are, what, what are talent looking for here from a, yeah. an employer as well? I mean, it's a big challenge and there's not one, one secret answer to it for mm. sure. Um, we've just conducted some analysis for, for a global reinsurance broker around um, particularly on gender diversity and we're seeing that there's a lot of female um, uh, reinsurance professionals coming into the market um, but they're not making it into those senior leadership positions mm. so there's a big disparity there so mm. what can we do about that so I think number one we can try to attract as many candidates into the industry to start with I think insurance is is definitely an industry that you know when you're at school university you don't particularly consider yeah. I think reinsurance probably even more so. I think there's a lot of people in, in insurance who don't understand what reinsurance is, let alone um, the wider population. We did, we did actually have an email earlier today from somebody in insurance. I don't know if you saw this. Yeah. Asking, do people in reinsurance get paid more? <laughs> <laughs> that was the yes. first thing they wanted to know about reinsurance. But <laughs> so the answer on the podcast yes. is that, yeah. So there you go. That's have why it. it's a closed shop. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's the walled garden of reinsurance. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, so I think that's number one. I think we've got to try and attract as many people into the industry as we possibly can. And, and a lot of that is education and, and, and appealing to people much earlier stages in their career. Number two, organizations have got to look at how they manage different talent pools and how they can really help people flourish from all sorts of different backgrounds. And I think that's really key. 
certainly as a you know as an executive search practitioner i would be very wary about moving a diverse candidate who is likely to be very happy where they are performing well into a new environment if we didn't think that they were going to succeed and it wasn't just a mm. tick box exercise so that's yeah. that's yeah. that's crucial um and then the third thing is really and i think i think this is i think this is something that companies can can deal with right now is about their talent attraction process um making that much more accessible making that much more unbiased taking um you know we've we've worked with businesses before where they say their number one priority is dni bringing more diverse talent into their company and then we ask them you know how they go about recruiting yeah and they say well it's through referrals yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean i i it's completely true, Ryan. I, I saw this the other day, and I, I can't name names because I can't even remember who it was. I, I think this was a year ago, mm. or maybe longer, but it's stayed with me. Somebody on on LinkedIn, I posted about the fact that somehow there's somebody who worked in the industry posted about somehow my relative, my child, I think it was, hasn't been able to find a job in the industry. This seems like a travesty. We need to get more diverse talent into the industry. <laughs> so my son is going to bring that, which was a bit questionable to begin with. But then, astonishingly, this post was responded to by a HR person from within the industry who I would have thought would have been, you know, the person who could put up a bit of a, well, you know, we actually do have to follow a process to make sure we're, you know, finding the best talent from and looking at all the best places but then the hr person said oh let me see what i can do i'll have a look and see if we've got any <laughs> roles going for your son i was like really like is that is that still the way we do things so yeah, yeah. nepotism does not drive a lot of dni yeah. i'll be honest <laughs> it doesn't yeah. help at all yeah. yeah i think i think the key thing that companies can look at straight away is is that process of hiring people so whether that's they're using referrals at the moment maybe they're using sort of like quite traditional search firms, you know, the types of firms you rely on, a little black book of contacts, mm -hmm. people that they move around from company to company, you know, they're, you know, they might be hanging around the normal market, you know, they might be at all the, all the spots that you'd expect networking to take place, but mm -hmm. you've got to really think about um, the wider talent pool and you might have some great leaders, you might have some great practitioners who um, are just not in those circles at all, you know, due to their home circumstances or whatever it might be. So really it's about properly looking at the market. Every time you have a, a search, so if you're looking for a chief underwriting officer, it's very important to map out the entire market of potential candidates and then reach out to all of those individuals about the role and give them all the same access to that opportunity. Yeah. So not just the guys who play golf with, not just the guys who are at you know the happy hours on a Friday Friday evening, but actually the whole market and make that as inclusive as possible. Yeah. And it's you know it's great from a DEI standpoint, but the number one thing is you're increasing that talent pool. Maybe from 50 people to 100 people, you're going to get a better quality candidate, yeah. and that's driving up standards of the industry. And it means you're going to get a better chance of bringing in a diverse candidate as well. So I don't think the end goal should always be just to hire someone because they're diverse by by all means but i think it's just opening up opportunities to the whole market and i think there's lots of ways that we can do that there's lots of tools out there now which can make you know job posting um uh, much more neutral in terms of language there's much more ways that we can appeal to people and if we can keep keep that unbiased approach i think we've got a lot better chance than if we're just moving around the same 
same people from this, the same backgrounds. Yeah, there's a couple of phases, isn't there? There's that um, sort of pre-candidate phase. We were having a conversation earlier this week around the usage of like TikTok and things as a way to get people who are in their mid to late teens and they're starting to think about what they might do, mm-hmm. bringing insurance into that conversation, mm-hmm. which might not have been on any of their radars. Mm-hmm. Like that alone is going to help increase the the range of talent pool that comes in as grads and similar. Yeah. And then the second stage is kind of what you're talking about now is, and as we then start to let them find roles and increase in rank and we move them across companies, like how do we increase the sort of pool of candidates at each of those stages? Because the bigger the pool there, it's the same way the bigger the pool at the front will just create a more representative pool of candidates that reflects society in a more impactful way. Yeah, more more representative and, and, and just a better quality outcome. Yeah. I think for any company when they're recruiting, if you're interviewing 10 candidates, you can be so much more thorough in your recruiting than if you've got one or two candidates that someone's referred to you or might have worked with previously. I think there's a lot of um, challenges that we have as as an industry around that. And you might be hiring, you know, you might think it's a safe bet because it's a referral, but that that person might be a a seven out of 10, a steady player. But if you really want to drive the growth in the business, you want to see what else is out there. You you could hire someone with a lot more skills and capability. As an employer, just on that, I think you should want it to be a hard process. You should want to be like four candidates that you really like. You're trying to like battle internally, like which one of the, like it shouldn't be like of the two, this one's not as bad as the other and off you go, right? You want, you should kind of lean into that being a tough decision at the end because the pool is broad enough and the the quality that comes to the top is is sufficiently high. I mean, yeah, further challenges in reinsurance obviously is, you know, the size of the deals at place and if someone leaves an organization, Generally, you need to fill that position pretty quickly. You know, there's, yeah. there, there's large stakes involved. Yeah. Um, but we do look at the analysis around um, hiring quickly, and you know, again, that can have a, a negative effect on gender diversity for sure. So having a process which is thorough moves with speed, but is not moving too quickly that you're just appointing someone because they're available or because they're known. Yeah. yeah. Really. You know, scanning the market, make sure you've got the best person. Yeah, and you mentioned skills and capabilities. Have you seen what people are looking for change as well in in terms of uh, it not just being that smaller pool of like, oh, well, somebody who knows everyone and has been in the same industry this whole time, which sometimes is like if you're a senior marine rebreaker, mm-hmm. there's quite a small list of people in that category. Are, are people on the hiring side willing to look further beyond as maybe – Oh, they know how to code in R, or they're yeah. you know from another industry. Are people looking more broadly, and are people in those broader talent pools interested in applying? I think the industry's trying, but I think it it can often be a safe place to recruit on experience rather than skills. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of middle managers, particularly, um, you know, if they've de- depends what their motivation is. You know, if if they're under pressure to Hit, hit next quarter's targets then they might just hire someone who can do the job based on their experience yeah. um, you know, if, if, if those if they do have more time to develop people then mm. certainly the skills around technology you know, we, we've seen that is becoming more key um, some of the clients that we work with now they like to bring in the very junior people in the business into their management meetings and just let them sit in the background and then just key in with any insights that they have about technology and how that might be able to help them in their decision making because often 
people at the top often don't know what they don't know around yeah. technology. Yeah. And some of these, some of these guys, some of these grads or people out of out of school and college, um, you know, it's just second nature to them. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's very important. You can imagine somebody who's just come off a computer science degree, like listening to something somebody says and just like giggling in the background. <laughs> yeah. What's so funny? Well, <laughs> what you said is technically that's not the internet that you've just described. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Are there um, specific sort of roles or um, role levels that you found more difficult than others? Or are they all? Are they from your perspective? Are they all relatively the same? Or it's like these projects are much more complicated because of. Mm whether it's it has to get approved by a different thing, there's going to be golden handcuffs in play or what yeah or are there or are they all relatively stable? in the majority of the markets we work in are specialty markets where mm. traditionally that it's the smallest talent pool available and that's why a company would like to bring in a, a search partner like us because it is a needle in a haystack mm. search um, and that's what we enjoy doing and, do, you know that's where we provide value in, in those kind of scenarios, do you ever get caught in a merry-go-round where you can kind of see what's about to happen? Because, <laughs> you know, there's there's 10 firms that are brilliant at this thing. And so you get somebody leaves from one of them and then that person you go and poach from somewhere else because that's the only place you can pick from. And then that place now needs a new person. So then you poach from the next one and so on. It just goes round and round. So I think that's traditionally happened. Yeah. But as a business, like I was saying earlier, you know, we try and be as transparent as possible and inclusive as possible. And, and normally our talent pools are, you know, 100 people and more mm. rather than just having a, you know, small niche group of people. And we do try and yeah. expand that out in terms of skills as, as much as we can. And, you know, there are there are occasions, different geographies where it can be more of a challenge. But, you know, in this day and age, we encourage the clients, you know, if they can if they can hire the best talent and it's remote um, or a hybrid um, you know, we can we can have that option as well. Sometimes a client will say, "Look, I mean, we've got a search at the moment in in Kansas City. You know, not a huge insurance market there, um, and, and we're going to give them a couple of options. You know, do you want the very best person in Kansas City? That's what this person looks like. But here's what the best person in Chicago, best person in New York looks like. Mm. What is the priority for you mm. um, as the client? Is it having the team local?" Or is it having the best person? And, and for some companies, um, you know, that will be different. And does that sometimes include relocation and maybe even like visa sponsorship and these yeah. types of things as well? If you have a your candidate in yeah. the U.S. who's going to be an amazing fit for this syndicate here in London or yeah. similar, do you get sort of get involved with that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Bermuda is a big one. Yeah, um, sure. and, you know, we, we, we're starting to do quite a lot of work out there um, and very much looking at local market first and then looking at wider opportunities, whether that's bringing in people from the UK, Canada, it's the first option. That's normally the number one priority when you're looking at things like tax and relocation mm. and that sort of things. And then looking at, uh, at bringing in people from the States. So, um, I mean, I mean, the world is becoming more, um, you know, it's, it's, we're becoming more closely connected. And so, you know, there are opportunities for people you know, to be working in North America, but being based in London um, and vice versa. Yeah. Do you ever... I'm always curious about this with Bermuda in particular, uh, given its relatively small population size uh, and need for external jobs. In affinity to the podcast. And and the fact that there's a very large fan base of the podcast there. Um, <laughs> but in those kind of scenarios where, let's say, you help somebody relocate, senior underwriter moves mm -hmm. to Bermuda, and then they're like, but what will my husband do, for example? 
is there then a parallel search process that goes on to see if there's an opportunity for like a family member to, to you know become whatever they do normally yeah. back home yeah. and, it, and that's often the biggest challenge and the most important issue is to make sure that the partner's happy with the with the move and the opportunity you know if um you know if one person's being sponsored in to the to an organization if they don't happen to work in insurance and reinsurance in somewhere like Bermuda, yeah. mm-hmm. then the career opportunity is quite limited for the partner yeah. mm-hmm. um so that's that's crucial speaking to some of our clients the biggest reason that that it doesn't work out is you know 12 months 18 months is well my partner just 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 couldn't end up getting a job or my partner just couldn't get a good feel for the place um, so that is really key but i think that's a great idea though if you can yeah. if you can help get them a job as well yeah. um yeah. I, you know that would make things a lot easier but yeah market like bermuda is pretty tough mm. yeah you know, if, obviously depending on the background that the partner has it'd be it'd be quite yeah. difficult but it's, mm. it's kind of an anomaly as well in like global job markets <laughs> one that's almost entirely a single sector <laughs> yeah it doesn't really exist anywhere else in the world i don't think mm. with the same density of singular yeah, industry I, mono yeah. mono industrial and that, 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 that is let's be honest the reason why this podcast <laughs> is so popular right? I yeah, think yeah exactly a, a large reinsurer is the island's largest employer yeah i, yeah. I don't think there's anywhere else uh, maybe a few cities in europe where yeah. a reinsurer is the largest employer but yeah otherwise so, so i imagine you get you get mobbed when you when you go to hamilton and walk oh down. it's like the beatles coming yeah up when you walk down plane. front street yeah it's yeah. ridiculous <laughs> I, hey the podcast guys are here yeah exactly <laughs> uh, Besides reinsurance, what is the other sort of your favorite sector? Is it the specialty stuff? Is it the big agency stuff? Is it yeah. taking people internationally as they're beginning to grow? Like, what is this thing that like the clients that you're most excited by because they're doing a thing that you're really keen on helping yeah. them grow with? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I love the specialty markets because you are really providing a lot of value to your client because they are really finding it hard to bring in top talent. So, yeah, n- number one. Um, some recent search we've done. We we we've recently placed COO and a CTO for for an amazing insure tech in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, being, you know, working that sort of level with candidates who are going to have a huge impact on those companies is very exciting. It's very interesting. We get to learn a lot. I mean, you know, as as part of being a search practitioner, but also, you know, running running the business insurance search. You know, it's always about learning from the people that you're working with or or interviewing on a podcast. So, yeah. you know, great opportunity to speak to some of the best business leaders, let alone insurance leaders in the world. And I just find it fascinating. Yeah. 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 You sometimes forget how human everyone is, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Get to have a nice chat with them. They've got hobbies and lives outside of being... Especially in insurance, right? Yeah. yeah. People are just... I mean, some of the guys that we recruited into our firm, they had different backgrounds in executive search. They've, they've moved from some other industries, particularly some of the technology markets, and mm. they're always blown away about how friendly people are in insurance yeah. and how approachable they are. And I think that's you know that's something that we never want to take away from, from the industry. Yeah, we're fortunate as well in this podcast. We get a number of sort of high-profile guests that come on and just have very candid conversations. The, the format, obviously, is just very conversational, mm. and some of them are very uncomfortable with that initially because yeah. they're, yeah. they're used to saying, here's the pre-prepared questions yeah, you're going to yeah, answer yeah. etc um but once they come into it, as ben said like they're just people who want to talk about stuff that they've mm-hmm. done in their careers or things that excite them about the young talent coming in and where the business in the industry is going so um, it's always quite fun to have those conversations on a more candid kind of yeah. structure and it's just a great opportunity to um to, to share that with the wider world i know yeah. on our podcast our, our first series we 
we're asking our guests what their biggest failure was in business mm. and asking them that as the CEO of a major corporation, obviously it's quite uncomfortable, but, mm. but you know, the guard then comes down and they open up more and you really see them as, yeah. as people. Um, and that's great to share, I think with the, with the wider market, because, you know, often people think that the C-suite are in ivory towers and, you know, they're not in touch, but I think it's, it's great to see that, you know, we're all going through the same challenges, you know, that, They've got a, a life outside of work as well, outside of yeah. outside of reinsurance, yeah. outside of the insurance industry, and it's um, it's great to see. It's great to tell the story. Yeah, very good. Oh, well, fabulous having you on the show, Nick. It's been a, a real pleasure uh, diving into the world of recruitment, and uh, we'll yeah. be sure to listen into a number of your episodes on a uh, insurance coffee house podcast. We're excited for that one. Yeah. And, uh, and we have a huge like audience of ours is like people coming in, in the industry and using us to sort of get up to speed. So if you're in that category, please click the show notes, find Nick's podcast as well. Cause there's a ton of great content there to help you explore the industry, get tucked in and sort of see what near next role might look like. So thank you again for your time. It's been an excellent conversation. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. And, um, yeah, see you. Uh, see you in a few years. I'm sure as uh, yeah, the podcast continues. To <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> you know, when we need to establish the Bermuda team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Exactly. Cool. Perfect. Thanks, everybody.